Good morning, Gate Church. How's everyone doing this morning? Oh, I lost you there. I know you're out there by faith. There you coming back to me. Thank you, Trey. It's so good to see each and every one of you this morning. Can you guys help me do something? Can you help me say thank you to our, wor our wonderful worship team and band this morning? Incredible job. Thank you all. For those of you that don't know, my name is Jordan Roberts. Uh, my wife, Holly, and I serve on the pastoral team here at the Gate Church. And we have the, I have the great privilege and honor of being a part of the preaching team here at the gate. And here is simply what that means. Our senior pastor is Pastor Kathy Miller, who just happens to be my lovely and vivacious mother-in-law. And so we are like a teaching hospital. It has always been a part of um, our pastor's DNA to make a way and opportunities for young up and coming couples and people who want to be in ministry to give us opportunities to hone our craft and to learn to do what it is we think God wants us to do. And so I am deeply grateful and deeply honored to be able to speak to you today. Um, Pastor Kathy is not with us today, but she is over in Her Majesty's England so she's way across the pond in the lovely city of Coventry. And the reason why Pastor Kathy is in Coventry this morning is because my sister and brother-in-law um, about a year ago uh, left here, Oklahoma City, to go over to England to take a church. And so uh, just after... Um, their father's passing, Amanda and Jason, who were on the pastoral team here for many years. Uh, they decided to plant their feet and to follow the call of God and uproot their lives and their families and move to another country. And so if you have not been, you may be thinking, well, England's England. I don't know if I understand if it would be that big a deal. You can take my word for it. The English are very different than us Americans. And so it was a bold move for them to uproot and to move. And so they've been in about a year transition there. And today, officially, it's already happened. This was happening early this morning while most of us were getting ready. Uh, but Pastor Kathy was there for members of the Destiny Fellowship Network, of which uh, Pastor Kathy and Bishop Miller were founding members. And so members from our network are there. There's uh, Apostle Les Bowling is there with them as well. And you can see them. Those are the former pastors, Gary and Helen. And so uh, they're taking over a church called Mosaic. And they moved into a new building in downtown Coventry. And so this was a major deal uh, for us as a church family because Amanda and Jason are and were our family. And we celebrate with them today, uh, them going forward into what God has for them. And so I wonder if we can do something as a church today. You can see clearly that they've already been officially installed, but can we offer up prayer and support as a congregation today? Can we speak a blessing over the work that's going on in England? Can you guys help me do that this morning? Uh, you don't have to stand up, but if you'll help me pray. I don't like praying by myself, so if you'll help me pray this morning. Lord, we come before you today as the Gate Church in Oklahoma City.
And Lord, we stand in our place as apostolic, prophetic believers. Lord, we lift up Amanda and Jason Connor to you today. Lord, we speak a blessing over them. Lord, we speak a blessing over the city of Coventry. And Lord, we declare that your purposes will be accomplished in that city, in that community. And Lord, we call them what they are. They are sent ones from this house, Lord, to a a foreign nation. And so, Lord, we know that you are able and faithful to be with them, to walk with them, and to make a way in everything that they need. And so, can you guys help me if Amanda and Jason are watching this morning? We want to say that we love you guys, we support you, and we are cheering you on. Come on, let's show honor to those who are faithful to the call. Amen and amen. Luther, help me if I'm being too scratchy. Am I hung up on my, on my lovely beard there, right there? Thank you, Luther. I trimmed it this morning and everything, <laughs> trying to get ready for this moment. Now, I have one other special piece of information for you today. Some of you may or may not know, but today was the official relaunch of Gate Kids. Come on now, listen. Our teams have worked so hard to literally renovate and bring fresh systems, fresh recruiting, and even a fresh look to our kids' ministry. And I'm told that as of this morning, not counting nursery, we have 60 kids in our gate kids this morning. Come on. Listen, guys, this is so important because those are 60 kids. They're being exposed not only to the story of the gospel, but the love of Jesus Christ through our volunteers who are back there loving on them. Come on, you didn't catch what I just said. Loving on them, making a safe place for them, teaching them the word of God. And I want to say this, that I had a wonderful children's program when I was growing up. And there is no doubt in my mind that it definitely set the course for my life and it kept me. So here's what I want to say to you. If you want to make a lasting impact on the future, and you really want to have a significant thumbprint in your community, I would encourage you to seek out one of the leaders of Gate Kids and to consider volunteering in that ministry. You can do it once a month, twice a month. We work with you to make it happen. You can seek out my lovely wife, Holly, who looks so lovely in purple, if I must say. And we have matching boots today. Look at us. So you can seek out my wife, Holly, or Kelsey Johnson. Uh, Those two are bringing leadership to that team. So I strongly encourage you to consider that. Okay, shake it off. All the talking's done. Shake it off. Okay, we're ready to get into the word this morning. I'm going to read a short passage to you from Genesis chapter 15. This may uh, be a familiar passage to you. Uh, If so, that's okay. Uh, I doubt that you have it mastered. I know that I don't. And so I'm going to begin in verse 1. This comes from the New Living Translation. And this this is a short conversation between the Lord God Jehovah and Abraham. And so many of you know that Abraham was from Ur of the Chaldees, or the Chaldeans, which is in modern-day Iraq. And so he was called out. Abraham was a descendant from one of the tribes who worked on the Tower of Babel. And when God fractured that group of people and they distributed among that area, 
Abraham found himself living in Ur several generations later. And so Abraham was raised among a people who were star worshipers. They worshiped the moon and the sun and the stars. But God called Abraham out of a pagan religion and sent him on a journey. And so Abraham was one of the original pilgrims of faith on a journey following God's word and following God's spirit. And so Abraham is moving into his promised land. He's moving in. He's living in the middle of a word from God. And so it is a cold, clear night in the desert. And the stars are out in force. And we have to remember that in the desert of Cana, there are no streetlights. There's no ambient glow from Casey's or Bucky's or 7-Eleven. Hey, I heard Bucky's is coming to Oklahoma. My revival, somebody said. Rednecks, well, we love that Bucky's now. So there's no ambient glow for Abraham to be distracted by. And I can just imagine hearing the wind blow, pushing the sand across the dunes and blowing through olive trees. And then God speaks to Abraham. The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Other translations say, I am your great reward. Can I just point something out to you in passing? I love that God says, don't be afraid. If I was Abram, and I'd left all that I'd known behind and moved to a foreign land, and I'm all alone in the dead of night, just me and my family, I might be afraid. And I love how God is attentive to Abraham's needs and questions. First thing, don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and I will be your great reward. But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliza of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up, into the, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. And then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land as your possession. Is it okay if we pray together? Lord, it's such an honor to read your word and to preach your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you help me to communicate clearly. And I put my trust in your faithfulness and your word that it will do what it has always done and that it will bring life and change people's lives. Lord, we open our hearts to receive from you today. I pray it in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen and amen.
Thank you, Sarah. <clears throat> I love this passage because it sets a great tone and gives us a great picture as to what our relationship with God is like and can be like. It's such a humble, honest exchange and interchange. It's an honest conversation between a man and his God. And I just want to point out clearly to you that there are different, different religions and different gods. But I believe something that sets us apart as believers and as Christians is that we're able to converse honestly with our God about where we really are and what we are really experiencing. And that he is so pure and righteous. He's so humble and he himself is truth personified that he's able to be truthful and honest right back to us. And so here in this simple exchange, there God and Abram together are setting the tone for what it looks like for us to walk with God. And I want to lean into that language a little bit because I think sometimes we forget this, that we all are pilgrims. We all are on a journey with God. He has been with us from the beginning, and he will always be with us. But we are not where we started. He is taking us somewhere. Some days we may feel like Abraham. We've left everything behind, and we're forging out into the unknown. Other days we may feel like the children of Israel, where we feel like I've been around this mountain before. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. And then there are some days that we feel like Joshua, and we feel God, God's anointing and his power and his calling on us and in us. And we feel as if every day I'm conquering new territory. But the truth is he's taking us all somewhere. I wonder where's he taking you? Have you thought about it lately? Have you asked him about it lately? Have you prayed and sought him and said, God, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where are you taking me? What's all this for? I wonder. Now, we know that up until this point that God had cared for Abraham. If you rewind the tape before the passage I read, you'll see that when Abram struck out from his homeland of Ur, from his home city, I personally believe that Abram was well-to-do before he left. But God multiplied Abram every step of the way. And the scripture clearly tells us that all of his possessions were multiplied. It's very important that we understand this because it leads us to our first point. Abram reveals to us a great truth in his request to God. So many of us are like, we, or we want to be like Abram. We want God to multiply us, to multiply our possessions, to multiply our influence, the things that we have. And don't you know that God does care about that? All throughout Scripture, God promises to us that he will provide for us, that he will care for us, and that he will give us everything that we need. I come to tell somebody today that if you are without... It's not a matter of God wanting to help you. No one is more committed to your well-being than God. Did you know that he's more committed to your well-being than you are? 
And so take heart and be confident today that if God can find a way to provide for Abraham in the middle of a desert wilderness, then guess what, friend? I believe that God will be able to provide a way for you and to multiply you in the life that you are living. No matter what your journey, no matter what your pilgrimage may look like, I want to tell you, Gate Church, God will always make a way for us. The scripture says, even when there seems to be no way. But Abram reveals to us a very important point in his first request. God comes down and says, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm going to be with you and make a way for you. But Abram says, what? What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? And so I want us to consider something, that as we begin to age and as our success begins to mature, this can happen to us at different points in our life. There is a natural maturing that comes as we age in our bodies. How many of my veteran saints can raise their hand and say, amen, young white boy? That is true. There is a natural maturing that happens. But there's also a maturing of wisdom that can come by choice. You can choose to acknowledge God's truth. And we begin to see this, that there's a pressure, there's a weight starts to come on us as we mature that we say this, what good is all of this if I have no one to give it to? What good is all of this if there's no one to carry on what God has done in me? Because as we begin to mature, we realize this, that my life and what God is doing is bigger than just me. I want to point out to you, friend, that real maturity begins in you when we begin to consider and to understand that what God is up to is bigger than us. I'm going to say that one more time. I heard somebody right over in here understood what I just said. Let me say it one more time. Real maturing begins to happen in us when we realize that what God is up to is bigger than just us. God is concerned with more than just my bank account, just my career, just my success, just how many Twitter followers I have. He is more concerned with a narrative, with an arc. Where is he taking all of us? I am just a cog in the wheel. Some of us might do well to go home and look in the mirror and to remember or to realize that my life is not just about me. If we're to follow the example of Jesus, don't we arrive at the same conclusion? The Son of God, the Word of God made flesh, sovereign and holy and perfect, but He gave His life away for us. Even Jesus' life was not about Him. His life was about us. Look at your neighbor and say, my life's not just about me. And so I don't want to be morbid, but one of my good friends, who I consider an older brother, said this to me one day, and it really struck me. That real maturity comes when you realize that one day you're going to die. Real maturity comes... It starts to take root. It starts to blossom when we remember and realize that one day 
we're going to die. And so when you think about that, here's what can come to your life. You say, man, that's rough. I don't want to think about dying. I'm going to live forever, and things are going to be rosy and perfect. You are going to live forever somewhere, but one day your flesh will surely die. Trust me. And so here's what I want for us today is to not focus on that one day I will die, but to let that truth bring our priorities in order. And so don't we see that Abraham could have said, look at all this stuff that I've got. I've got so much money. I'm living in the oasis of Cana. How about we just build an oasis in the desert? We'll build a Las Vegas hotel with hot tubs and pools and camel rides for the kids. Let's just get rich and eat, drink, and be merry. But Abraham is communicating to God and to us that our lives are not just about ourselves and that we can have all the stuff in the world. But if we don't pass on what God is doing in us to another generation, to our friends and to our family, if we don't pass on the message of the gospel and the power of his spirit, if we don't pass it on to our communities, what are we doing? Because your inheritance are things. The things I leave behind is inheritance, but the people that I leave behind is legacy. And when we lost our senior pastor almost a year ago, Bishop Tony Miller, we as a family and we as his spiritual family, we learned this lesson clearly. That he left behind many good things and will cherish those things. But his true and lasting legacy are the people whose lives he touched. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I've learned and experienced that lesson firsthand. And so the media team is going to throw this on the screen behind me. You're going to want to write this down. When Abraham asks for a son, he is giving us this truth, that people are greater than possessions and that humans are greater than hardware. And so here's something I want to say to us, Gate Church. Our measure of success are not the things that we accrue and acquire. The measure of our success is whose life have I touched? Whose life have I impacted? Who are the people that I have shown the true love of Christ to? Who are the people that I got into the mud with? Who are the people that I put my arm under theirs and helped pick them up when they stumbled? Who are the sick that I prayed for and saw healed? Who are the children that I taught the message of the gospel to? Because the success of our life is not possessions. It's people. And I want to ask you this. Where is God's house? Point to it. Where's his money? Where's his army? Where's his swords and his bombs and his bullets? God doesn't revel in these things, although he has them. If we're to learn from him and follow him, we know that God takes great pride and he cherishes his people above everything else. People are precious and sacred and holy to God. And so Abram asks for a son. I wonder, are you preparing for the inevitable? Are you being intentional? about the day that comes when you're not here? Are you making time to spend with those who God has given to you? Jesus himself, before he goes to the cross, he says this, 
Lord, I have taught my disciples them that you gave to me. I have taught them what you wanted me to teach them. And now all I ask is that you love them and be faithful to them how you have been to me. That's Jordan Roberts' paraphrasing version. Even Jesus recognized his mission on earth was based, his success was based on I've taught my 12 what God wanted me to teach them. Can I make it practical for you? If you're going to leave an imprint on the people around you, it'll cost you two things, time and money. And if you're not intentionally devoting those resources into investing into those around you, you'll look around one day and it'll hit you. I could have and should have done more. And trust me, friend, I'm preaching in the mirror this morning. You guys feeling okay? Now, I know I'm being a little tough on you, but I love you. Okay? People are more important than possessions. So we're going to move on into point number two. So keep your notebooks handy. Media team, you can throw this up there. That Abram had a want, but God had a need. And I really want to lean in right here. I think this is very important for us at the gate today. I love that Abraham had the boldness to ask God for what he wanted. Now, I don't know about you, but the way I was raised in church, I don't know that any, I mean, maybe it would probably a few times it was said directly, but I always felt like this. Now, I'm going to be real about me. This doesn't apply to you that I'm good. For, I'm happy for that. Now, if it does apply to you, you can wave at me. I grew up in church with this understanding that if I had a desire, it was evil or it was wicked. And I grew up believing and understanding that it was the desires of men that were responsible for all the debauchery and wickedness on planet Earth. And now when you look at the world, it might be easy to arrive at that conclusion. However, we must be careful that we don't become cynical and that we don't become negative. Because here is where the soul of a human being is mysterious and wonderful at the same time. Is because when we live out of our fallen nature, we're capable of desiring all kinds of wicked. We can look back through history and there's blood and scars all across history of men and women who desired evil and wicked things. But now I want to suggest something to you, that God works with our imagination and he works with our desires when we're following him and seeking after him and when we're delighting ourselves in the Lord, something begins to happen in our hearts. Something begins to happen in our imagination and desires start to come forth where we want good things. We want God's things. And let me tell you something, friend. When you get your desires in line with God's desires and you start walking arm in arm, hand in hand, sync and in sync, co-laboring together, the sky is the limit with what God can do with one man or one woman who our desires are in lockstep with his. Now, don't you forget something, dear friends, that Abram was one man and one family. And when Abram comes on the scene, humanity was not in a good place. 
When God sets about to do a thing, he seeks out a man or a woman who's willing to hand over their desires to him and say, God, I want what you want. We may see it in the short term. We can't see everything that God is up to, but God will meet you on a Tuesday and say, we want the same thing today. Let's walk together. Because God can take our wants and get his needs done at the same time. Abram wanted a son, but God needed a nation. And so all he needed was Abram saying and being clear about what he wanted. And God said, deal, deal. You want a son, but I'll give you a nation. And so I come to say something to somebody today. We need to be very conscious and intentional to cast off guilt and shame about the things that we desire in our heart. Because God will take your desire, and he will take my desire, and he will use it. He'll breathe on it. He'll nestle it. He'll shape it, and he'll mold it. He'll tweak it. But God will use our desires to get his things done in the earth. And so my practical counsel to you today is to be clear about what it is that you want. Be clear about what it is that you want. When was the last time you pulled out pen and paper and wrote down, this is what I want God to do in my life? When was the last time that you pulled out pen and paper and said, this is what I'm believing God's going to do in my family? I want to tell somebody today, you, I, there, I was preparing this, and I kept think this kept coming to me, and so I'm going to say this. I hope that this ministers to someone, but I feel like that there's someone who's going to be listening to me today, whether in this building or online, that you've been laboring over reaching out for more. You've wanted to start a business. You've wanted to earn extra income. You've wanted to see God do something fresh and new in your marriage, and you're afraid to step out. And I come today to give you permission to be clear about the desire that's in your heart because you're not wicked. You're not burnt and bruised and broken. That's God working on the inside of your heart, stirring up desire in you, and he'll take that desire and he'll change your life and he'll change your family. Look at your neighbor if that's you and say, I receive that. I'm going to be clear Did you ever hear this statement growing up? Misery loves company. You're all laughing because you know what I just said is true. It is as true as the day is long. Now, I grew up in a humble, rural community in northeast Georgia. And one thing I learned is that if you're going to be the guy who breaks ranks and says, I want more, I'm going to believe for more. I'm going to reach for more. I'm going to believe God for more. I'm going to believe God for something different. I hope you have a helmet and maybe some armor somewhere that you can wear. Don't you know that that's a thing that we do when, some, when we're in a group, when we're in a clan, a tribe, a community, and someone steps out and says, I'm believing for something different. The first thing we want to do is grab those people around the ankles. And what do we do? We chew them feet right off of them. 
Oh, now there's one lady in the back being real with me, and the rest of y'all are being religious. Now, I'm being real, but I love you. You know as well as I do, you grew up in church, and you saw somebody come down for the altar call, and they were putting it on, and you thought the Holy Spirit's touching them, and then you went to lunch, and you had fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green beans, cornbread, and the person who was in the altar talking about they don't need a word from the Lord. What they need to do is start going home and spending time with their husband. You know what I'm talking about. Shame, shame, shame. Lord, forgive me and Lord, forgive us where I have looked at people in my life who were handing over their desires to God, believing for more, and I unleashed my mouth on them. Oh, church. Don't you know, shouldn't we as Christ followers be the first one to stand up and cheer when the woman accused of adultery, her life is saved and she's able to make a change? Shouldn't we be the first ones to celebrate when the madman of Gadara is set free and he doesn't have to live in the tombstones anymore? Shouldn't we be the first ones up and cheering when God grabs a bunch of rough, rowdy fishermen and says, come follow me? Why don't you look at the person sitting beside you on the seat and say, I'm cheering you on. I'm cheering you on. I'm believing in you. I'm believing in what God is doing in your life. Don't you know that when desire starts up in us, that doesn't have anything to do with being qualified. I'm getting stirred up just a little bit, and I was going to stay behind the podium and stay calm. Don't you know that when the desire is stirred up in us, we're not qualified? Abraham was not qualified when he stood out on the desert that day. He was not qualified because he deserved it, and he was not qualified because his flesh was not capable of producing the son that he was asking for. And so I'm going to keep leaning into this, hoping that somebody hears what I'm trying to say to you today. I hope that you are catching what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today. Don't you look in the mirror and start judging about whether or not God can use you, about whether or not God can use you to change the course of your family. Don't you take stock of yourself in the mirror. If you want to see what God is really capable of, don't look at yourself in a reflection. Look up. Look up. Look up and start looking at him because the desires that he's put in you are not just about you. It's about what he'll do in you. It's about what he will do through you. Yes. I don't know if he actually said this or not, but I saw this on Instagram the other day, Songo. Mark Wahlberg quoted as saying this, that when God asks you to do something, he's not measuring your bank account if you're able to do it on your own. He's testing your faith, not your money. I don't know if Mark said that, but if you did, Marky Mark, job well done, looking forward to your new movie. Now, don't you know that that's true for us? And when Abram asked God for a son, he was being clear about his desires, believing that God through him would be enough. Psalm 37 and 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you, he will give you the desires of your heart. I have a close friend who we've been on the team together for many years, and he told me a testimony once about that he and his wife had been believing for something more and that their bank account was almost empty. 
and they used some of their last funds to go to a pastor's meeting and there they got a prophetic word to go into business and that the Lord would use them, use that to bless them. And I gotta say, I've known the guy for a long time, he and his wife, but I've watched and I've had great admiration for how they stepped out in faith and they didn't let the haters and the detractors sway them or swerve them from what they felt God can give them. And by George, I want to say by God, their success, they're living and standing in it today. Just a few years later, I have another friend just before service who told me I was projecting a certain figure in my business. If I made this much money and it was substantial, if I make this much money in 2022, then we've been a success. He and his business partner felt led to sow a significant seed here at the gate going into the new year. They both did that. And this is what he told me just this morning. Three weeks, three weeks after sowing the seed, he said, we met our yearly quota. Three weeks. And what I read on the news is downturn, tight logistical problems, all the things, we all know them, but look at God. Delight yourself in the Lord. Be clear about your desires, and he will give them to us. Is anybody encouraged this morning? I know that I am. Now, if the band will come, can I just keep talking to you? Can we just be real? I know I'm on the internet, but we're friends and we're family, and, and, and I'd like to be professional and formal. But I am who I am. <laughs> By the grace of God is what Paul said, so it's God's grace, not my personality. This means so much to me, and I want to tell you why. Um, my granddad on my mom's side is a man named Wallace. Wallace Allen. Um, part Irish, part Scottish, part Native American, Cherokee. And he grew up in rural northeast Georgia, and his father was a man named Clay. And they were poor farmers. And Clay was an alcoholic, an abusive, very violent alcoholic. And my granddad Wallace was the oldest of uh, several children. And he has, like many in that generation, he has lots of stories about hard, back-breaking work from a young age. And the work was required to survive. And he tells a lot of stories about moving rocks and plowing fields and, and things like that. And uh, he told me that uh, in high school, he said, I realized one day I was not going to be a farmer and I was going to do whatever it took to not be a farmer. Not knocking farmers, I'm glad for them. I, every time I go to the grocery store, I love farmers. But what, what Wallace was really reaching for was something more. I don't want to live hand to mouth anymore. And you got to remember that this was in the late 50s and early 60s. And so this was before business school. And this was before business mentors and the internet. And so his only resources were his desire and his will to do it. And so he borrowed money to buy a dump truck and he started what was a trucking business. And so he began very humbly living in his dump truck following road work 
at that time, the federal government was sponsoring state infrastructure projects. And so he would go wherever they were paving roads, find the foreman and say, hey, I'll haul, I'll, I'll, I will haul the asphalt for you. Tell me where it's at, I'll bring it to you. And before he retired, he sold a regional trucking business for multiple millions of dollars. So he's a very successful, wealthy man. And so his success was not his money. And I want to tell you why. He was, sorry, he was my first boss. And I learned working for him that I didn't want to be a trucker. He worked so hard. Oh, my gosh. In his 60s, he would work circles around me as a 17-year-old. And he, I'm sorry, y'all, this is my real life. He knew that I wanted to be in ministry. And I had an opportunity to go to Africa and to go to special training schools there that was something that was really burning in my heart to do. And and through Bishop Miller, opportunities came where me and my wife were gonna be able to go, but I needed to be able to pay my way and I didn't have the money. So I went to my grandparents and I asked if they would support me. And my grandpa Wallace in his famous tone, his black cowboy boots and his Wranglers and his button-down shirt, he had enough money to sponsor my trip in his front pocket. He said, how much do you need? And he wrote me a check. I went, we lived in Africa together. And here's what I want to tell you, that what I experienced there changed my life forever. The relationships I made, the things I learned, it set me and Holly on a course that really is not worth a dollar figure. And I believe that God looked down at Wallace and he saw a desire to not want to be a farmer anymore. And God said, I'll use that. Because fast forward the tape, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years later, I'll use, those, I'll use those dollars to help change Jordan's life. And I'm here today because my granddad worked so hard. But he was clear about his desire and what he wanted. My father was a drug addict for a short while. He himself called to ministry, and he grappled with addiction. Until driving down the road one day, he says, I was so angry at what addiction was doing to my life. He said, I didn't understand, and I couldn't have explained this to you when it happened. He said, but in my anger and frustration, he said, I hated the narcotics. I hated the bondage of it. I hated that I could go to church and feel God's presence, and then Sunday night and Monday on the way to work, I'd be using and he said, in my frustration, came out as prayerful. Going across Young Harris Mountain in an old busted green Mustang, he says, I screamed my anger. And he said, and I felt something break so strong, I swerved my car on the side of the road. And he said, at the time, I couldn't explain it to you, but he said, I felt the presence of God. 
He said it was like a waterfall. It was like honey. It was heavy and it was soft and it was sweet. He said, I threw my drugs out the window and never went back. I've watched what the cycle of addiction does in small towns like where I'm from. Greg Roberts was clear about his desire. And today his son has never struggled with a drug addiction a day in my life. I'm going to keep going because I want you to hear me. Greg was on his own pilgrimage with God. He was called to ministry, but we were poor and rednecks and nobodies, and we didn't even know what seminary was. I didn't know if when Dad started, if he could even spell seminary. (laughs) I can't now. But my dad started buying books because he was hungry to learn about God. And he, he had this passion, and he believed that if I can learn about God, God will take it, and he'll transform our lives with it. My dad grew up in abject, severe Appalachian poverty. His, he was raised by his grandparents who were traffickers. And he didn't know until later in his life that they weren't his actual parents. The definition of brokenness. And here's what I'm telling you, is that God stirred up a desire in Greg Roberts to learn. And that he was not less than, and that he was not less than because he was from Gumlog, where everybody trafficked in shine. And he started reading his Bible, and he started reading every book that he could get his hands on. And Pastor Jay can back me up. He knows my dad well, that my dad can stand toe-to-toe with some of the brightest minds. God took a desire and a hunger to learn, and he changed the trajectory of our lives. And I'm grateful that my dad, by example, taught me that you may not start out smart, But the only thing keeping you from being smart is the desire and the will to learn. Do you hear the testimony? Sometimes the desire is so simple. I want a son. I think I want a business. I think I want to see lives changed. I think we don't want to be poor anymore. I think I don't want to be ignorant anymore. You can be ignorant and innocent. If you don't know, you don't know. It's okay to be ignorant. It's okay. Don't stay there. God will take your simple hunger for more, and you don't know what he'll do with your want. And in closing, I want to make this point. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 8 says this. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the, justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Here's what I want to say to you, church. It can be difficult when we grapple with what we feel God is doing in us because we, can, we feel it, but sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we 
can't imagine what it is that God's really up to, but we feel it. Mornings like today in worship, we feel God come and we feel him move us. And so I always heard the old time saints say this, he's stirring our hearts. He's stirring something up in us. But now I wanna say something to you, that you, the desire will fade if it's just me. But if it's God stirring the di desire in us, our candles won't grow dim. The fire will not grow weak. So here's what I'm saying to you. Abram said, God, I want a son. And God said, okay, done. Come out here with me. And can't you just imagine Abram getting up from his tent and fur and carpet, the main beam of the tent, Sarah snoring a little bit. But he walks out of his tent in the wind's pushing the sand across the dunes. You can hear the wind in the cliffs behind. And God says, look up. I don't know if you've ever been in the desert at night, but it's really something to see. You can see the galaxies. It's easy for us today to think that God was talking about Hebrews, talking about the Jews. But Paul says something different. And when Abraham looked up into the stars that night, he wasn't seeing the boundaries of a nation. And he wasn't seeing genetic biology. The stars that night were you and me. We call Abraham the father of our faith because when he looked up and he saw something so vast, God says, can you count them, Abram? Count them if you can, old sport. I know that you boys over in Ur are real proud of your ability to number the stars and to identify them and to worship them. And that's real good for you, but I'm the one that made them. Not only can I count them, I don't know if you're hearing me. God's saying, not only can I count them, I'm the one that made them. I'm the one that called you out. I'm the one that has provided for you, and I'm the one that has brought you to right here. Now look up. Look at what God is capable of. Look at what I am capable of. You can't even count them, but I made them. Abraham, that is what I am going to do through you. And see, you're just a part, you're just a piece, but through my son Jesus, and not through blood and biology, but by faith, by the leading of the Spirit, the stars are going to be the innumerable saints, those who love Jesus and believe in his gospel. And so it wasn't just Abram's desire for a son that moved the ball forward that day. It was Christ's love for us. It was the love of God made manifest. And he is eternal, the beginning and the end. And so when Abram says, I want a son, God says, okay, I'll use that desire because I'm taking us somewhere. I'm going to show the world how I love them. And so when Jesus went to Golgotha that day, it wasn't just the cross that he carried on his shoulders. And when he was beaten and he was scourged, it wasn't to redeem the Jews. It was to make room for all of us in Abraham's family. 
It was to make us some of the innumerable ones. It was to make us the same stars that Abraham looked out and said, I wonder which one represents my son that God's going to give me. And Jesus says, my son represents them all because through him I'm making a way for everyone. What am I saying to you today? That by faith in Jesus, not just Abraham, but by faith in Jesus, you and I get to be a part of the story. Because of Jesus' cross, we get to look at our God with no hindrance between me and him and say, God, I want a son. God, I believe you can use me to make a difference. God, I believe you can use me to change the course of my family. God, I believe you can use me to preach and to teach. You can use me to write books. That, God, you can use me to show love to the people I work with. God, through Jesus... You can do great things in me. And when Abram believed, it was counted to him as righteousness. You know what I want to say to you today? The same is true for you and true for me. That when we look up and I see that how infinite God's love is for me, when I see how faithful he is, when I see how committed he is to me, I can't take it in. I can't count it. I can't measure his love for me. But when I look up and I see it and I say, God, I believe, I believe that you can do it. Guess what? The same righteousness accounted to Abraham gets accounted to me and to you. And so here's what we want to do. My challenge to you today is to don't look in the mirror and measure yourself. Look up and count them if you can. And when you run out of numbers, remember that you haven't even scratched the surface of God's love for you. But we would be remiss if we went and jumped on our Harley Davidson and sped off to eat fried chicken. It requires something in us and from us to believe, to reach out and to grab hold. So the band's going to lead us in a song. And I want you, wherever you are, to join in. And let's refill our tank. I don't know about you, but after the past couple of years, my tank needs refilling just about every day. Can we refill ourselves on the love of God? And while you sing, I want you to think about how that he's more than enough, that he's doing something in me and through me that will change things forever. Is that okay? Lead us, band. You can stand if you want, sit and rest if you want, but let's sing together. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm. So I 
If you're here today and you say, I don't know this God of Abraham that loves me so much and is capable of doing so much in me, we want to pray with you and we would love to introduce you. And then if you're here today and you say, I know him, but I recognize that my priorities have been out of order or that I need to start to begin to be clear about some things that I'm believing him for, we want to pray with you in agreement, believing with you that God will do the things that he's placed in your heart. And so I'm going to dismiss um, our congregation, but if you want to stay behind and worship, you want us to pray with you, you need a moment, you and God, that's okay. You don't have to rush. You don't have to leave, but we want to be sensitive of everyone's time. So if, you're, if you need to dismiss today, we love you. Thank you for being with us today. We speak a blessing over you, believing that God's going to be with you this week. And for the rest of us, if you want to stay, we want to pray with you. Our prayer teams will be here, and the band's going to continue to worship for a moment. And so I want to say thank you for being such a great audience and let me preach to you today. I believe that this word will stick with you through the week. Let's come and let's spend a little time with the Lord together, okay? We love you. Be dismissed. Hello, Gate Church family. What a great message by Pastor Jordan Roberts. I want to just remind you of a couple of his points because they really impacted me and I hope they impacted you too. One of them was this. Real maturity comes when you realize one day you'll, we will die. So people are greater than possessions. So whenever we spend time here on earth, we are not trying to store up treasures here on earth. We're not trying to hoard everything. We are here to make an impact on people's lives. And by making an impact on people's lives, we'll store up treasures in heaven. Abraham had that in mind. And that comes to my second point. Abraham had a want, but God had a need. God had a need, and he did it through Abraham. Abraham just wanted a son, but God used his want, and he provided a whole nation, and a nation that really is the reason why we're here. Abraham became the father of our faith because he believed what God said. He was counted as righteous because he believed what God said. And I don't know where you are today. Maybe you are struggling with just really realizing that God loves you. Maybe you're, like Pastor Jordan said, that you feel empty. Maybe you've been broken. Maybe you just feel right now that you have some wants, but you don't feel like they're wants that God wants for you. I want to encourage you today and I want to pray for you today because I believe that God's going to change your desires or give you the desires of your heart, just like Psalm 37, 4 says. If you submit your ways to him and acknowledge him, he'll make your path straight. And so, Lord, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, whether they're broken, whether they feel like they are alone, whether they feel like their dreams are not going to come true, wherever they are in life right now, Lord, I pray, God, that you will meet them right where they are, just like you met Abraham. I pray, God, that you'll speak to their desires. If you want the desires to come true, I thank you, Lord, that you will give them the faith for that, Lord. I pray, God, that you'll meet them right where they are, Father, whether they are in a broken place or a place of where they feel like they have everything they need, Lord, I pray that you'll still speak to them right where they are, Lord. 
And I pray, God, that you'll refill them and give them the strength, the energy, the grace, and everything they need to move forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, if you're somebody today who just gave your life to Christ, I want to encourage you, make sure you write that in the chat because we want to pray with you. We want to connect with you. And as far as connecting goes as well, maybe you're somebody who, who joins us online weekly, or maybe you're somebody who's just, this is the first time that you joined us. We actually have a connection group just for you. Matt and Janice Bennett do a connection group every Wednesday at seven o'clock, and they would love to have you there. And so if you are interested in joining that connection group, I pray, I, I pray that you just put it in the chat and we're gonna reach out to you and we'll try to connect with you. We love you guys, and if you need prayer, please put it in the chat. We are here for you. I pray that you have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.